I think all of us have places from our childhood that are just locked in our memories. It's really impossible to erase them, and they can be very good, or can be very bad, surprising, shocking, whatever it might be. And as I was preparing uh, this message for this week about the Jordan River, I was catapulted back um, to my childhood, and not to a river, uh, but to a swimming pool called Green Urban. Green Urban was in my hometown, Greenwood, Indiana. And when I was about eight years old, uh, my mom decided it was time for me to learn to swim. And so she sent me to Green Urban Pool uh, for swimming lessons. And uh, back in the day, this is a suburb of Indianapolis, but it's perfectly fine. Eight-year-old kid walks a mile to the pool uh, through the city. And I got to the pool and um, there I met the instructor. His name was Paul, Paul Velez. And uh, Paul, I actually had missed the first day. Uh, a lot of the kids were already you know, kind of in the pool. And um, Paul said, uh, well, you missed it the first day, but that's okay. Um, and he took a big fistful of quarters and he said, just stand here in the shallow water. You know, it just came about, you know, three feet up. And he, he took the quarters in his fist and he dropped them into the pool. And I saw this, all this money, and I was a poor kid, all this money drifting to the bottom of the pool. And I thought, what's this about? He said, son, uh, all you got to do is reach down and get those quarters. And every single quarter that you get is yours to keep. And my eyes, I'm sure, got really big. And I thought, what, what are you kidding me? I, all I got to do is is get those quarters out of the pool and, and I, I'm rich. You know, that's like $3 down there. And, um, and so I was like, okay, this is going to be amazing. So I reached down to, to get the, the, the quarters out of the bottom of the pool and, and the water hit me right here, right here. And I kept reaching down, the water kept hitting me, hit me right here. And, and no matter what direction I went, I, I soon figured out I was never going to get those quarters unless I did what? Put my head underwater. And I looked down at those quarters. That was a lot of money for a kid. And I, I decided, okay. And I did what a lot of red-blooded American eight-year-old boys would do in that situation. I got up out of the pool and I walked home. I quit. I was afraid. Uh, I wasn't afraid of the water. I was afraid of drowning. I was afraid of getting my head under that water and, and I didn't want to do that. It wasn't worth it to me. I knew that the kids were having fun over here and I could see everybody in the pool having a blast, but boy, I just, I just couldn't do it. And the uh, truth was, uh, I never went back. I didn't go back to Green Urban Pool. I might have on occasion, but just to kind of watch from the edge. Um, maybe get in the shallow water, but I, I never in my whole childhood really learned to swim. I, I let that fear of, of the deep waters um, get in the way of a lot of enjoyment of what I could have experienced as a child. And today I want to talk to you about that. Because the Jordan River that we're going to come today to is about about a place where we can enter into a fuller life, enter into the promises of God, enter into a much deeper experience of God's grace and peace and love. But in order to do so, we're going to have to go into the water. We're going to have to get drenched in some deep waters. And there's going to be some fears. I think every person who's listening to this message has a longing in their hearts to experience more in their lives. And even if we don't define it or know it, what we really are longing for is to experience more of God in our lives, more of his power in our lives, to see him work in our lives in a deeper and fuller way. And he calls for us. He's got this incredible love for us. and He calls for us to trust him, to, to walk with him. And, uh, and to enter into the deep waters. And then our stronghold that we face is the fear. For some of us, it's the fear of the future. Like, what might happen to me 
if I actually trusted God in this area of my life, or I actually trusted God for my relationships, or I actually trusted God for my money, uh, or I actually trusted God in this area of obedience, what would happen in my future? We have that fear. Or maybe it's the fear of the cost of it. It's like, what will it cost me to really trust God? If I actually obeyed him, what would I have to give up? What would I have to sacrifice? What might it mean? And we're scared of that. We feel like it not, might not be worth it. And for some of us, we're afraid of the change. We know what's safe and secure, but we don't know what it's like to put our head underwater. We don't know what it's like to to hold our breath and we have to wait until we would submerge, come from underneath, submerge and then come up out of the water. Are we gonna breathe? Are we gonna be able to make it? And for many, many people I know, that fear of trusting God, that fear of, of stepping into it and taking the plunge into the deep waters holds them back from experiencing so much. The core truth that we're going to get to today at the Jordan River is that God has amazing promises for my life and for yours. And he has this entire person, whole person transformation that he wants to do in your life and the people that you love. And maybe you think of yourself, I hope you do during this whole message, and maybe there's someone else that God will bring to mind that you can pray for and that you can influence and you can help them to take a step into the deep waters. For many of us, there's a longing in our hearts for something more. There's an ache deep in our souls that we know God has something more for us, more in our, in our life. Maybe you've never even trusted in Jesus, but you're like, I know God has something more. I remember as a 14-year-old kid sitting in church and I looked around and I thought, you know, this is really good. There's nothing wrong with this, but God has something more that he wants to give me in my life. And I didn't know until four years later what that something was. And that was an experience of his grace that I had never experienced before, of forgiveness, free forgiveness through the grace of Jesus Christ. And so maybe you have that longing in some, that ache in some area of your life here. There's something more that God has for me. For many of us, there's a desire. I'm open I'm open to being changed. I'm open to being transformed. And I pray that as we begin this time in God's word, that you would just silent prayer, God, change me. Help me to overcome any fears I might have and help me to be willing to take the plunge, to be drenched in the goodness, the promises of God in the deep waters that he calls me to step into. And with all that in mind, I want us to hear the word of the Lord here. We're going to go to just two passages today, one in the Old Testament, the other in the New Testament. Uh, the first one, if you want to go there, is Joshua chapter 3. And a uh, little bit of background real quick. Uh, you know, Moses has led the people out of, of Egypt, out of captivity. And, he, and the Red Sea has opened and they've crossed through on dry, dry land. And then they, and the Egyptian army is drowned and they're delivered from their enemies. But then they spend 40 years wandering the wilderness and they were tempted and they went astray and they grumbled. But Moses faithfully led them. The tabernacle was set up and they worshiped God and the pillar of fire led them and the cloud led them through uh, the wilderness for 40 years. And Moses got right up he was 120 years old. He was right up and just about ready to die. And God took him up to a high mountain and said, he showed him the promised land. He says, there it's all before you. He was not allowed to enter the promised land, but he was allowed to see it. And he saw it all. He saw the Jordan River. That was on, he was on this side and he saw the Jordan and he saw the promised land on the other side of the Jordan River. But there would be another one that followed Moses, whom God had chosen, that would actually lead the people into the Promised Land, and his name was Joshua. Yeshua in Hebrew, Jesus 
or Jesus or G in Greek and Jesus in English, that's who's going to lead us into this promised land. The Jordan River is the most famous river in the Bible by far. And it's one of the most famous, if not the most famous river in the world. It starts, it runs, meanders about 156 miles in total length, not nearly that long uh, as the crow fly, flies. It, st it starts up in the mountain, Mount Hermon, and there's snow up there, and it's, that's its origin. And then it comes and several other rivers pour into it, and then it flows all the way down into the Sea of Galilee, and then from the Sea of Galilee, it, it, it continues down all the way to the Dead Sea, which is the lowest uh, body of water on planet Earth. So it begins at this kind of life-giving place and it goes all the way down to the Dead Sea. And in a way, it's sort of a, a picture of life itself from the beginning all the way to the end. And... It's an amazing place. In the, in the Bible, the Jordan River is a place of great significance. It really sets a boundary. And even today, uh, you know, 3,000 years, 3,500 years later, it sets a boundary for ancient Israel, or excuse me, for Israel, modern day Israel from Jordan and from the Palestinian territories. But Joshua is there following Moses and he's, uh, God says, this is the one I've chosen. It says, I'll put my spirit on Joshua in a special way to lead my people. And he does so. Joshua chapter three begins this way. Joshua now starts early in the next morning and left the Acacia Grove with all the Israelites. They now are numbering a nation, a million or more people. They went as far as the Jordan and stayed there before crossing. They know this is a momentous day. After three days, the officers went through the camp and commanded the people. When you see the Ark of the Covenant, now the Ark of the Covenant, you may be familiar with it. If you've seen uh, uh, Indiana Jones uh, uh, and the Raiders of the Lost Ark, right? It's this box, acacia wood box covered with gold, the cherubim, these angels covering it. And inside the box were the Ten Commandments and the, the rod that that blossomed uh, 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 with Moses. And just an incredible, Aaron's rod, incredible, uh, miraculous things that God, and they were treasured there. But it represented the very presence of God and was always there in the tabernacle. And now the fire and the cloud that has led them for 40 years is going to be going away. And now they will be following the ark which is the visible presence of God among them. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God carried by the Levitical priests, you are to break camp and follow it. Follow the presence of God. But keep a distance of about a thousand yards between yourself and the Ark. Don't go near it so that you can see the way to go for you haven't traveled this way before. So, <clears throat> so God says... Uh, See it so it's in the distance, beyond all the people. You, you'll be able to see past the crowds and you'll see the ark in the distance. And I think there's also here a, a certain amount of reverence. Don't get too near the ark. Uh, the people have been instructed about this before. If you touch the ark, you die. Okay, the presence of the Lord. There's an awe and there's a respect for God that is to, to be had. We can get so familiar with God. He's the, the man upstairs, my buddy, whatever. And it's too intimate. There is a close personal relationship with God, but there's also to be an awe and respect and worship of God. So verse five, Joshua, Yeshua, tells the people, consecrate yourselves. The old translation, sanctify yourselves. What does that mean? Prepare your heart spiritually. Set yourselves apart for God. Prepare your heart for an incredible thing. He says, consecrate yourselves because the Lord will do wonders among you tomorrow. Prepare the way for the Lord. Prepare your heart for this because you're going to see amazing things. 
They have waited for so long. The people there gathered for 40 years. Then he said to the priests, carry the Ark of the Covenant and go ahead of the people. So they carried the Ark of the Covenant and went ahead of them. The priests carrying the ark in the distance, the visible presence of God. And here's the first principle. I want to, you want to see God show up in your life. You want to experience and enter in the promises of God. You want to really overcome whatever's holding you back, whatever fears, and experience the grace of God in a new way. The love of God, the peace of God, the joy of God. The first principle is to simply prepare your heart. You know, look at your own heart, confess before the Lord, whatever it might be that it's holding you back and just prepare your heart, do a heart preparation. Spend a moment and say, God, is there anything in my life that's holding you back? And kind of set yourself apart to say, I, I want to hear from God. This is a personal thing now. No one can do this for you. This is something you do. And as a community of God, we've been doing that. When we entered this whole ministry year we called Make Room, we had 40 days of prayer. So we're preparing our heart for the journey that we're on right now. Right now. So prepare your heart. Keep going. The Lord spoke to Joshua, Yeshua. Today, I will begin to exalt you inside of all Israel. I'm going to do some things today that they're going to see you in a different way that they have not seen you before. Because you're going to be their leader. You're going to be the one they listen to now. You're going to be the successor to Moses. Moses, you're going to be the one. He wasn't allowed to lead them into promised land. You will. Joshua, Yeshua, you're going to lead them. So they will know that I will be with you just as I was with Moses. He says, command the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant. When you reach the edge of the water, stand in the Jordan. So this is different from the Red Sea because at the Red Sea, they, Moses said, don't get into the Red Sea. He lifts up his arms, see the deliverance of God and the, and the Red Sea opened before them. Here he says, you've got to take a step of faith into the Jordan River. Now, the Jordan River today is not that mighty of a river, but, you know, thousands of years ago, it was a much greater river. It might have been more than a mile across. And they got a million people to, 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 to cross the Jordan. And it was like an insurmountable uh, uh, obstacle. Do you have an insurmountable obstacle in your life? Is there something in front of you that you're just scared of the future, um, a fearful of the cost, fearful of the change, or it's just like, how is, will this ever happen? How could I possibly get this done? How could God ever do this? He says, sometimes you got to take a step of faith. Sometimes you have to get into the water get drenched. You're going to have to take a step into the deep waters. Stand in the Jordan. We all have those Jordan River moments where God calls us to do something way beyond our strength or our how we could ever see this happening. We're going to go through this river? There's no way we're getting a million people through. It's impossible. Trust me, says God. We have those Jordan River moments in our lives when we don't know what the future holds. We don't know how God's going to change us. We don't know what the cost is going to be. But he says, trust me. And in that moment, in that moment, are you willing, you've prepared your heart, are you willing to take a step of faith? Here, here it is. Step out in faith. Here's the second principle. It's very simple. Come closer and listen to the words of the Lord your God. And you will know that the living God is among you. And that he will certainly dispossess before you the Canaanites, the Hethites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, the Jebusites, the Termites. Just making sure you're listening, okay? There's no Termites. Um, when the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of the whole earth goes ahead of you into the Jordan, the visible presence of God is actually going to go before you. He's going to go first. And you're going to see amazing things. But are you willing to step into the Jordan? Verse 12, now choose 12 men from the tribes of Israel, one man for each tribe. When the feet of the priests who carry the ark of the Lord, the, the Lord of the whole earth, come to rest in the Jordan's water, its water will be cut off. The water flowing downstream will stand up in a mass. You're going to have to see this actual mighty river stop flowing and the rest of it is going to be cut off, downstream cut off, and you're going to have dry land to walk through the whole nation of you. The question is, 
and for the whole nation of us, are you willing to step into the Jordan? Are you willing to step out in faith? God's going to call you sometimes to do some things that beyond just in your humanity. It's like, I don't see how that's going to happen. But will you trust him? Will you trust God? Step out in faith. What is it in your life? I don't know if it's a relationship. I don't know if it's just believing Christianity. I don't know if it's about something about God's word. I don't know if it's about generosity. I don't know if it's about some relationship issue or financial issue, uh, personal thing, struggle, challenges, health crisis, whatever it might be. He's going to say, trust me. And are you willing to step out on faith in obedience to God's word? This is what God says. Will you do it? It says to forgive. Are you going to? It says to give. Will you do that? It says to um, uh, make peace. Will you do that? It says to put God first. It calls us to, to take radical steps of faith in following Jesus in obedience, to put aside the idols that we have, uh, the, to, to, to resist the temptations that come our way, to give up whatever idol of the heart there is. Are you willing to put that aside? Step out in faith. Well, the people, it says, verse 14, when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priests carried the Ark of the Covenant ahead of the people. Now the Jordan overflows its bank throughout the harvest season. So this is the time of year. It's in March, April, where uh, it's, uh, it's just at its highest a level. Uh, and, this, and so they're, they're like, whoa, we're going to go through now at the highest level. And he says, now the Jordan overflows. But as soon as the priests carrying the arsh reached the Jordan, their feet touched the water at its edge when they took the first step of faith and the water flowing downstream stood still, rising up in a mass that extended as far as Adam, a city next to Zarathon. The water flowing downstream into the Sea of Arabah, the Dead Sea was completely cut off and the people crossed opposite Jericho, which was a place that they were going to soon possess. Here's the principle. When you prepare your heart, you step out on faith, then you experience God personally. Jesus said, you want all these things, you desire all these things, you worry about all these things. He says, I get it. Your heavenly father knows what your needs are. But you, he says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you. I got you covered. You will experience God's provision. You will experience God's power. You will experience God's grace. You will experience God's undertaking for you. But you have to seek first the kingdom. We want it the other way around. We want, okay, God provide for me. God show me how you're going to work this all out. And then I'll trust you. And then I'll obey you. It's the other way around in scripture. You trust me first. Then you'll see me come through. It's called faith. Step out on faith and then you experience God personally. And all the people there actually experienced a, mirac a miraculous intervention of God Almighty. They saw something that they would never forget. In fact, in the next chapter, which we don't have time to look at, Joshua chapter 4, they stack up rocks as a memorial and they say, never forget this day. Tell your children about this day that God did this miracle. And we need to, when God shows up and experience God, we need to tell those stories as well. We need to tell those stories. Are you telling the stories to, to, your, to your children, if you have them? Are you telling those stories to your friends, to your neighbors, even those apart from Christ? Are you telling those in your life group? When you experience God personally, His forgiveness came down to you for something you'd done. He washed away your guilt and sin. When He, he provided it for you in some way, when He healed something in your life, when He... Uh, showed his faithfulness to you. Are you telling the stories when you experience God personally? Because he said, when you do stack up the rocks, you don't have to be fancy. Just a pile of rocks will do. But don't forget what God's done for you and tell the stories. And make sure you tell your kids and your grandkids what God's done for you. Keep going. The priest carrying the Ark of the Covenant stood firmly on dry ground in the middle of the Jordan. A Jordan River moment. While all Israel crossed on dry ground until the entire nation had finished crossing the Jordan.
they all passed by. They were near the presence, the visible presence of the living God in the Ark of the Covenant, and they all passed by on bare ground, seeing God's miracle. And after doing all that, what did they learn? What's the principle that they learned? Trust Joshua now. Moses led you up to this point. Now you got a new leader. Trust Joshua now. And Joshua would be the one who led them to inherit and to possess the land. It took a lot of work. It took a lot of battles, but they inherited a land, all of it. And it was amazing. All because he said, I put this Joshua before you. My spirit is upon him and you can trust him now. When we trust Joshua now, when we hear the word of the Lord, that's how the book of Joshua begins, by the way. Don't let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid. That's how Joshua begins the book. Be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid. Overcome your fears. What's holding you back? The fear of the future, the fear of the cost, the fear of the change. Trust Joshua now. God's got you. Trust his word and trust this leader that he's put before you, this Joshua that he's put you before you, which we read now in the book of Joshua. Prepare your heart, step out in faith, experience God personally, trust Joshua now. So that's the Old Testament, Jordan River. Well, many years would pass and about 1,500 years would pass. And we come to the opening of the Gospel of Mark, a New Testament scripture. There had been silence for 400 years in the prophets. And then the silence would end when a prophet was sent to speak up. And Mark records it this way. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Here's the beginning of the good news of Jesus. Yeshua. Joshua. Jesus. Jesus. All the same. Same name. The Son of God. As it is written in Isaiah the prophet, see, the old translation, behold, I am sending my messenger ahead of you. He will prepare your way. A voice of one crying out in where? The wilderness. On the other side of the Jordan. Prepare the way for the Lord. Make his path straight. 700 years before the events that we're about to read about happened, Isaiah the prophet promised that one day God would send a prophet before the Lord, to prepare the way. And that prophet's name was John. Verse 4, John, we know him as John the Baptist, John the Baptizer. John came baptizing. What does a baptize, the word baptize, mean? It means simply to immerse in water. John came immersing in water in the wilderness and proclaiming a plunging into the water, a baptism of repentance, getting drenched in the deep waters for the forgiveness of sins. There's a promise that you can receive God's grace. All your past wiped out, guilt-free. If you'll come and repent, the word repent means to have a change of mind that leads to a change in your life. Change your mind, change your heart about the way that you look at God. So here's the first principle. It's familiar to you. You've already heard it. Prepare your heart. You want to experience God? You want to enter into the promises of God? You want that longing, that yearning for something deeper, something more? Prepare your heart. That's how God prepared for Jesus. He said, come prepare your heart. Get your heart ready. Shed off the things that are keeping you from God get cleansed, get drenched in the deep waters, trust me, and enter in the waters. 
And it says in verse 5, so that's the principle here, prepare your heart. Verse 5, the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem were going out to him. So John is probably on the other side of Jordan. He enters the Jordan and he begins baptizing people there. And all the people of Jerusalem were going out to him. He's out in the middle of nowhere, out by the Jordan River. And they were baptized by him in the Jordan River, confessing their sins. Now they have their Jordan River moment. And I mean, the Jordan River is just like famous in Israel. I mean, everybody still there remembers Yeshua, Joshua, and how they had entered the promised land. This is how you enter the promised land, through the Jordan River. So now John says, God's got promises for you. He's got want something he wants to do. He prepare the way for the Lord. And I got incredible things. If you'll just change your mind, repent, you can experience God's grace and forgiveness. And everybody was going out. And what's the second principle? Prepare your heart first. Second principle, you've heard it before already today. Step out in faith. They had to step into the water. And they had to get plunged into the deep waters. They actually put their head underwater. And they were completely submersed in the water. And they stepped out in faith and saw amazing things happen. They were experiencing God's grace. And they were cleansing and there was just joy in that place. Because they were, they were saying no. And there's all the other Gospels, Matthew and Luke uh, and John, uh, spill out for us more information about what was happening and people were like okay what do I need to do to change my life and John was saying you know just repent change your mind and this will result in all sorts of uh, changes in in the way you treat people in in the way that you look at your life and the way that you spend your resources in, in the way that you forgive other people He's just going to change your life. You just prepare your heart. But it takes a step of faith. You need to say, I'm willing to do this. And the way they symbolize that was by being baptized by John. Now, this was a baptism of repentance. It wasn't technically Christian baptism because Jesus hasn't come yet. But it was their pre-Messiah way of preparing the way for the Lord. So you prepare the way for the Lord by stepping out in faith. And this is true in the New Testament as well. And we're going to learn in just a moment what happens. Verse 6. John wore a camel hair garment with a leather belt around his waist and ate locusts with wild honey. Why in the world would you tell us that? I mean, why, why, why is that included? I mean, why is that important? Because it was just how exactly how Elijah the prophet uh, appeared. And he's the Elijah. I mean, God said, one day I'm going to send Elijah. Malachi, the prophet Malachi, who is the last prophet to speak for 400 years of silence, but he says, I'm going to send Elijah. And Elijah, this is the way he dressed. And so now the new Elijah, Elijah has come and he's preparing the way for the Lord. He's preparing a way for the Lord. And Elijah, excuse me, John, the baptizer, proclaimed, one who is more powerful than I am is coming after me. I'm just preparing the way. I am not worthy to stoop down and untie the strap of his sandals, which is the utmost of humility, because uh, for a rabbi, they said, you have to do everything your rabbi tells you to do if you're a student of the disciple, the rabbi, except you don't have to wash his feet, you don't have to take off his sandals. And John says, the one to come is such a great rabbi that I'm not even worthy to do what you don't even have to do for the rabbi. He's so great. I'm not worthy to do that. He's so far beyond me. I'm not the Messiah. I'm just one preparing the way. He says, I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. In other words, you're going to experience God firsthand in him. This is merely a preparation. This is an outward symbol it's a preparation, a repentance, so that you can, through faith, experience God in fullness when Messiah comes. And he's going to baptize you. He's going to immerse you. He's going to drench you in the deep waters of his own presence. You're going to experience God firsthand if you trust in him because he's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And here's the principle. When we 
prepare our hearts when we step out in faith, when we get into the water and really actually trust God, change our hearts, trust God, we experience God personally. He says, I'm going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is going to come upon you in a real way and you're going to experience God's grace and power and forgiveness and mercy and goodness and love and joy in ways that you never can imagine. I know you're afraid of the change. You're afraid of the future. You're afraid of the cost, but take the step of faith and you'll experience God personally. A lot of people don't experience God personally because in, in, in profound ways because they're just not willing to get into the water. Step into the Jordan River. What's your Jordan River? He's calling you to get into the water. Trust me. Verse 9, in those days, Jesus, Joshua, Yeshua, Jesus, Jesus, came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized in the Jordan by John. Now, we know a little bit more Matthew and Luke's gospel that they, he saw Jesus come, coming and he says, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And Jesus says to John, I need to be baptized. And, and John says, I, you should be baptizing me. I'm not worthy to do that. And he said, no, this is to fulfill, fulfill all righteousness. I, I need to follow God's plan, my father's plan. And so do you. This is what God wants to do. And when Jesus was baptized in the Jordan River by John. This was an incredible moment where Jesus now, he already had taken on human flesh. That's the first Christmas. The word became flesh. God took on human flesh without ceasing to be God. And now what Jesus does is fully identifies with our sinful humanity, with you and me. Because baptism is a symbol of repentance. And even though Jesus had no sin whatsoever to repent of, he so identifies with the plight of the human race that he is willing to actually undergo the baptism that John gave to say, I'll stop at nothing to identify with your situation and your need that I will even go through this symbol to show you I'm going to take on your sins. And this was the beginning. He not only took on our flesh, he will take on our sins. And of course, this is a pre, uh, preview of what will happen ultimately at the cross when he sheds his blood for our sins, when he takes the full penalty of God. Here, this is just to prepare the way, a preview of taking on our sins. So he is baptized in the Jordan River by John. This was Jesus' Jordan River moment is the beginning of his public ministry. It's like here I'm taking and they're taking the step of faith to fulfill all righteousness. And from this point forward, there's no going back. Because up to this point, he lives in relative obscurity in Nazareth, the son of a carpenter, but now he's public. Behold the Lamb of God. And there's no turning back now. He is fully identified with us. It was his Jordan River moment. It was his turning point. It was him now, who Jesus, who was going to experience by trusting his father, everything that he had promised, he's going to bring it about. As soon as he came up out of the water, he took a step of faith to be baptized he saw the heavens being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my beloved Son, with you I am well pleased. Now you have this incredible Trinitarian moment where Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are all there at the baptism of Jesus. The Son of God is there. The Father's voice says, You are my beloved Son, with you I am well pleased. What is he saying to him? Something similar to, he said to Joshua, I'm going to put my spirit upon you and they'll all see that you're the one to listen to. Joshua, Yeshua, Jesus. And the spirit descends on him like a dove, a visible demonstration that the Holy Spirit of God was on Jesus in fullness. This incredible moment where Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And the principle is pretty straightforward for me and for you, is that we trust Joshua now. There's an Old Testament Joshua, there's a New Testament Joshua, Jesus, Jesus. And he is the, he's better than Moses. He's greater than Moses. He's, the law came through Moses, grace and truth comes through Jesus Christ.
Jesus, Jesus. Trust Joshua, the new covenant leader. So we, we step into faith and we trust in Jesus Christ. If you've never done that, today's the day where you trust in Jesus. Now, you don't hold back. You step into the Jordan River. That's your first step of faith. But for many of us, a second step of faith is to be baptized. And, and baptism is just a very simple um, symbol, an outward symbol of an inward reality. There's no magic in the waters of baptism. There's nothing, uh, there, there isn't a, uh, some kind of superstitious thing that happens in the waters themselves. But a powerful means of grace it is, is baptism. Because in baptism, uh, you're signifying the grace of God cleansing you from your sin by trusting in God's promises in Jesus, the New Testament Joshua, you're saying, I believe in Jesus and what he did for me. And you're entering into the Jordan River of God's promises and saying, I believe that God can get me to the other side. I'm willing to cross over. Bible says, if you trust in Jesus, You've crossed over from death to life, from the wilderness into the promised land. It's all there, all the imagery of baptism. Furthermore, the plunging, the, the baptism symbolizes this um, uh, in the New Testament. It says we're, we're dying with Christ. We're actually entering into the waters. It's like a burial. We're going under the waters to like die to our old way of life. And then we come up out of the waters to this new life, cleansed, um, renewed through faith in Jesus. And it's, a, it's an incredible moment. I remember when I was baptized. Um, I, of course, I was baptized as an infant. And here at Valley Church, we respect those who come from uh, infant baptism. It's not required for membership at bap uh, being baptized as a believer. But, uh, so we, we respect that. I was baptized as an infant. But when I came to a personal faith in Jesus, and just you'll you have to work this out in your own heart and your own mind and search the scriptures for this. But I became over time convinced that I needed to be baptized as a believer that this was something that I chose to do. No one gets baptized accidentally. You believe your baptism. You get baptized on purpose. You choose to do it. And we're offering baptism soon at Valley Church, an opportunity. Sign up for that. If you've never been baptized as a believer in Jesus, I want to extend that invitation to you. There's nothing magical about the waters, but there's something spiritual, a presence of God that, that does happen in that moment. That because that step of obedience, of just identifying with Christ publicly. It's also a testimony to the people around you that I follow Jesus, that I trust in Jesus. And so I want to encourage you. I, I want you just to hear one brief testimony of a, of a young woman who recently was baptized at Valley Church and hear her testimony of faith. Her name is Lindsay. Check out her story now. I did not grow up in a church. Um, my background is kind of more um, atheist, agnostic. Um, my family um, kind of struggled through alcohol and some other um, different struggles. Um, but uh, my mom just, she really believed in being a good person and um, just, um, you know, work hard and be humble, be honest. Um, and that was kind of the way I grew up. So I ended up in a marriage um, that, um, Shortly after, um, you know, I found out it wasn't safe. Um, it wasn't safe for me. Um, we weren't safe physically, um, emotionally. Um, it got to a point where I was um, finally expecting um, a little baby. Um, and like I said, it, we just weren't safe. And so um, I didn't know what to do. I didn't think that I had any options. Um, and God just came and he just he just pulled us right out of there. Um, but my daughter, she came into this world um, on a Sunday, on a snowy Sunday, <laughs> God's day. And uh, she came in safe and unharmed. And um, that's, you know, that low point, that's where, um, that was where God found me. 
and um, and Jesus was my foundation ever since I knew without a doubt that he was without him we never would have made it out my life just changed <laughs> I uh, things just started falling into place he uh, you know I ended up here in Des Moines and finding Valley Church and um, just walking through the door I tell everybody um, just walking through the door, it just felt like walking into home. And I've been surrounded by so many wonderful people and so much support. And um, my Bible study and my life group, they poured into me and um, I've never felt so overwhelmingly loved um, in my life. Um, and they became my family, <laughs> um, my family in Christ. I wanna get baptized because God is my savior and Satan no longer has a hold on me. Lindsay, you're absolutely right. Valley Church is your family. We are your brothers and sisters in Christ. And we're so thrilled that you've taken this step of obedience under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Lindsay says in her testimony, it wasn't until I went through darkness that God truly found me. It was in that despair, that rock bottom, that Jesus became my foundation. I remember coming across a quote that said, if God is all you have, you have all that you need. He found me there in my mess, in my brokenness, and loved me in a way so profound. That was three years ago. Now I've been wholly committed since. Today, God willing, Emma gets to see her mama be baptized. John 8:12 says, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Lindsay, upon your profession of faith, I now baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Have you been baptized? Have you had that Jordan River moment yourself? If not, I encourage you to get signed up for that. I don't care if you're 95 years old, never too late. You may, whatever, but check that out. And uh, you can take an explore baptism class and do that. But beyond that, I want to come back to the very first principle of what this passage is all about. And that's simply to get drenched in deep waters. We started this message by talking about anything in your life that's holding you back. And maybe it's a place in your life that God has you right now where you're longing for more of God. You're longing to experience more of Him, but there's something that's holding you back. And the day can be the day your Jordan River moment day, when you actually take the plunge and say, okay, I'm gonna step into the Jordan. I'm gonna experience God personally. It might not be easy. I mean, after they crossed the Jordan River in the Old Testament, they had to fight a lot of battles. <laughs> they didn't walk in the promised land. It wasn't Disney World, it was a battleground. But they experienced a miraculous intervention of God. I know that's what you want in your life. What is it God's calling you to do? I don't know what it is, but are you willing to step in to the deep waters and experience the drenching of God? When I was eight, I got up and walked home. I was unwilling to, to learn to swim. In spite of Paul Velez, I, I just couldn't do it. When I was 22 years old, I was a senior at Indiana University. I was about to become a college graduate. And I said, I'm almost a college graduate, but I don't know how to swim. And I needed one credit. And I saw on the catalog a class for one credit. I thought I could pass. It was called Swimming for Non-Swimmers. And I said, I'm going to take that class. 
And I showed up that first day and not Paul, but Paula was saying, welcome to swimming for non-swimmers. You may be afraid. You may not know how to swim at all, but if you trust me, I will get you through this class. And at the end of these 16 weeks, you will be able to swim. And I gulped and I said, okay. And I trusted her. And guess what? I did learn to swim through that class. I did overcome my fear of drowning. I did put my head underwater. The final exam for that class was to swim laps continuously for 30 minutes. If you had told me at the beginning of that class, in 16 weeks, you'll be able to swim laps continuously for 30 minutes, I would have said, you're out of your mind. I cannot possibly do that. But I did. But it all started with a willingness to put my head underwater just to get my face wet. And step by step, I got drenched in deep waters and was able to experience the fun and the lack of fear for the rest of my life. Father in heaven, what is it in my life, I'm just praying for everybody today. What is it in my life that I need to trust you for? Where I'm longing and wanting more of you, more joy, more peace, more love, more breakthroughs. What is it? And where would you have me step out in faith? What is it, Lord? Show me my Jordan River moment. And help me to experience you personally in the days ahead. It might not be easy. Like Jesus, I might have to go into the wilderness and face off temptation. But you're going to be there for me. Your spirit is going to guide me and lead me every step of the way. And today, this day, I take that step of faith and trust you. And everybody agreed and said, amen. God bless you guys. Can't wait to hear what God does with your Jordan River moment. See you soon.